starting right now. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I'm sitting here with Chris Surface. I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your last name. That is absolutely correct. It's like the word. <laughs> <laughs> Just spelled slightly differently. Yeah. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, great. So for the listener who doesn't or is not familiar with you, can you give a history of yourself in the theater world that led you to be the Artistic Director of Tacoma Little Theater? Here's the Cliff Notes version. Okay. I started yeah. doing theater when I was uh, in elementary school. You did the elementary school play. You did the middle school play. Then in high school, I decided to audition for the high school show, and I did it, and then I did all the shows while I was in high school, except for Still Magnolias, because obviously I couldn't be in that one, so I stage managed it instead. Uh, I also became involved with community theater and their local youth program, uh, Capital Playhouse and Olympia ran Kids at Play, so I became a Kids at Play, and then I also became a member of their board of directors, so I was their youngest board of directors member. Then the day I graduated from high school, I finished our graduation and then hopped on a plane to go down and do summer stock in Utah at Utah Musical Theater. And then stuck around there to a major musical theater music ed at Weber State University. And I got lured away by the business world before I finished. <laughs> and uh, did that for a while, and then moved back up to Washington. And I became involved in theater again with Capital Playhouse. And they were getting ready to grow their organization. So I came on board as their company manager and handled community outreach, patron retention, bookkeeping, a little bit of everything, teaching some youth classes. And then uh, Capital Playhouse went through some tough times, unfortunately. <laughs> And so I went back to the business world for a while and then started doing shows outside in the community again. Ended up in Tacoma doing shows and then one day the artistic director of Tacoma Musical Playhouse called me and said, hey, our education director is leaving, would you be interested? And I said, sure. So I went back into uh, the theater world for a full-time job and I was the education director at Tacoma Musical Playhouse for five years and then the opportunity came up at Tacoma Little Theater. Uh, they were looking for an artistic director and I thought, it's not often these positions open up in your own backyard, especially one with an organization that is almost 100 years old. So I applied for that, went through the interview process, and ended up taking the helm of that in May of 2013, and have been happily here ever since. Excellent. That was, like, the most efficient, <laughs> like, <laughs> recounting. It was the true Cliff Notes version. Um, great. So I, I like to start out uh, this podcast by asking all of my guests the same question. Okay. And it's a big, ambiguous question, so feel free to answer it however you wish. Uh, but the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? What is my artistic direction? To encompass all aspects of the theater. Okay. Can you expand upon that? I can expand idea. upon that. Um, because I come from an education background and also a business background, I think it's important for a theater to have the ability that everybody within the theater can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. None of us are the most proficient at what we do, but we can all do everything. Mm. Um, I may not be the best set designer, but I can design a set. That's why I have my technical director, who is yeah. a good set designer. He might not be a good... Uh, box office person, but he can still pick up the phone and sell a ticket. Mm -hmm. We do all this job shadowing so that everybody knows how to do everything. You don't necessarily have to do the best of what you do, but you still aren't at a loss when it's time. And I think that's important in the theater. Um, I have a friend who coined the phrase theatrician, which is somebody <laughs> who can do everything in theater. And to have a staff and to have a group of people that work with you that are of that same mindset makes the organization flow smoother that there's never hiccups, that everybody can help pick up the slack if there is something happening and move forward. It just makes it a well-oiled machine. Hmm. And everyone understands the terminology when we're talking about set design or like the box office. And, yeah. Uh, so how do you promote that within a theater? I mean, you mentioned job, sh or like kind of job shadowing, but is that one of the main things? Uh, I guess the philosophy is that I always stress with my, my staff is don't be afraid to try anything. 
do it. If it's not the right thing, I'll let you know. Otherwise, I'll say, hey, good job. Um, and it's just that open environment of we all have a drive to want to put on great productions. And whatever we need to do to make that happen, we will do um, while still living within our means. Okay. So there are some people... I'm Obviously, there's some people who are just actors, though, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay, okay. yes. Okay. We, we do have the actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm an actor, too. Yeah. Uh, but we do have those people, too. And those... What we do is when we bring people in, uh, when they come into audition for our shows, when they come in, uh, we want to make an inviting atmosphere where they yeah. feel like they are part of the whole process, that they feel they're fully supported, that they... If they have a problem, they know that they can come to myself and ask it. They also know that they can go to their director, their choreographer, their stage manager, and get that same level of attention to everything. Um, that they know it's a fun place that we will challenge them, but we will also reward them um, yeah. with the fact that they come and they have a great audience. Yeah. Um, and they have a fun time. And we do see a lot of repeat actors come back to us. Great. That's so we enjoy coming back. And that's one of the great things in our community here in Tacoma is that really is a community of theaters where we all share actors, we all share resources, and we all help each other out if we need help. Yeah. That's good. That, that means it's healthy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's still that little bit of, oh, I wanted that actor to audition for our show. Mm -hmm. But we, we all get along. There's yeah. a friendly rivalry occasionally. Yeah. that's. Um, so I'm curious, as you bring, about how big is the administrative team here? Uh, myself. I, I'm the managing artistic director. We have our full-time technical director, which is Blake York, and he does our set design, the bulk of our set design also. And those are two full-time positions at this point. And then okay. Karen Christensen is our office manager and handles box office. Then we have a part-time education manager who helps work with the education program. We have some student interns who are our box office help. And then all of our directors, costumers, uh, prop designers, lighting designers are all contract. Okay. Uh, we do have a few that are resident positions, but that's it. It's, okay. a, it's a tight, lean staff. Okay, that's that's good. One of my points of intrigue about artistic direction is the idea, the phrase that I'm using over and over again is cultivating a culture. Because if you want to have everyone feel welcome coming in, especially if you have that rotating set of like tertiary people that are like light designers and set designers, how do you promote that sort of, I'll use the term culture again, to ensure that everyone is uh, welcoming and there isn't the the theater drama <laughs> that tends to happen in some theaters. It's not being afraid to take chances right. on people. Um, a story that comes to mind is we have a director in town who started his own theater company and um, is also a great designer. Um, but sometimes he just doesn't get a chance to direct at other venues. Where they're like, well, you've got all that other stuff going on. We don't want to take a chance on you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you're a great director. Yeah. We should have you do a show. So it's giving those opportunities and saying, you know what? We'll take a chance. We'll make it work for you to come in. And nine times out of ten, well, 9.9 .9 times out of ten, <laughs> it's an excellent experience. Yeah. Um, we've In the four years I've been here, I love the fact that we've had extremely, extremely low drama. And usually that with theater, there comes a lot of drama. Yeah. And I feel like here we've been able to keep a good culture of full support of ourselves yeah. within the organization and our community. Yeah. Do you know why, do you have any idea why that is? Because I've experienced like the virtual opposite yeah. of other theaters before. Um, I think it's, I think it's the Puget Sound. Okay. Um, I think we live in a community of good people who love what they do and they want to promote that feeling in the whole community. Hmm. And so you find a lot of like-minded individuals and it breeds into them bringing in other people of that like mindset 
and you just end up with this whole town. And we actually pull, our actors come all the way from Seattle across the bridge from Gig Harbor and the Kitsap Peninsula. We have a lot of actors that come from Olympia, a lot of come from Puyallup. So we really pull from a wide radius of people who come in to work with us because they know that Tacoma is a great place to do theater. Hmm. That's great. That's really good to hear. Do you have a piece of advice for someone who is running a theater that maybe wouldn't be experiencing like that har- harmony, I'll call it? Find what the weakness is. Okay. Find where that, and I hate to use the term, but find where that cancer is and figure out what's causing the problem. Yeah. Um, and if it's an individual, if it's a facility, if it's something that can be affected by you, figure out what it is and see if you can either help cure that problem or maybe it's time to part ways and say, you know what, this maybe isn't the best thing happening for our organization. What can we do to change it and make that thing go away? And that can be tough sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's because you have to directly... It's another... When you assume the role of artistic director, there's so many uh, facets of it that aren't explicitly uh, like given to you. And one of them is kind of not HR, but like you have to be personable and you have to like be able to sit down and be real with someone. Yeah, there's no manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> there is no policy and procedure book that says this is how you're an artistic director. That's this podcast is like kind of a shot. It's like a glancing <laughs> and, blow at. <laughs> and so you know, everybody has that unique situation in their own yeah. theater, in their own area, in their own community that um, we might not face here in the Northwest, and they might face it in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so you've been, uh, for, forgive me, I forget, 2013? Yes. Okay. So, so you've been doing it 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm bad at math, so that's <laughs> why I do theater. <laughs> um, so you've been doing it for four years. How have you uh, structured the shows? Uh, I, I'm interested about like a season that you present to a community, uh, the structure of those shows as they progress over time. I have a wonderful board that has given me great free range to do what I think I need to do to make the theater operate. Mm. Um, And I will present to them a selection of shows that I have heard back from either customer surveys, uh, customer feedback, artists in the area, directors, and say, these are shows that we think we should be doing. And so I'll listen to those and then I'll try and select a season that kind of touches on a little bit of everything. Uh, I think it's important to honor our past, but I also think it's important to look towards tomorrow and the contemporary things that are happening today. So we try and give a little bit of the theater you want to see and the theater you didn't know you want to see. Mm. So we'll throw in um, some classics and then we'll throw in something a little more off the wall like a Christopher Durang piece or Rabbit Hole um, that is a little more challenging to our audience, but it still gives them what they want, but then also says, hey, wait, there's new theater and different theater happening. And so this year, uh, we're opening up with Neil Simon's Rumors, so we're giving that classic comedy. Yeah. Then for the Halloween season, we had hoped to get another title, but unfortunately there were some rights issues where they couldn't clear their music copyrights. So oh. Misery is not available yet. <laughs> but that's one that we were hoping for, and then we finally had to, uh, we had a discussion with our rights publisher, and they said, it's just not going to happen in time. We're so sorry. But it'll come out soon. Yeah. So we're hoping to add that on in a future season, but we're putting on Blythe Spirit instead to kind of give us that Halloween feeling. Yeah. Then for the holidays, we always try and do a holiday show. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of good holiday shows out there. <laughs> so this year we decided to do a show that has a holiday element and we're doing Susical. And we're trying to create a uh, repertoire of five shows roughly that we kind of rotate through the holiday season so it becomes tradition with families. Okay. Um, that's one thing I would say for artistic directors is the holiday show, you have to do a holiday show. People want to come see A Christmas Carol. They want to come see... Miracle on 34th Street. They want to come see a Christmas story. You 
want to see White Christmas, they want to see those things. But if you start doing things that aren't holiday themed, you'll notice your audience starts to leave you after mm. a while. And they'll find those theaters that are doing a holiday show because they want to bring the whole family and have that holiday moment. Uh, in the new year we're starting off with, which is one of our challenging pieces this year, is Children of a Lesser God. I'm not familiar. Uh, Children of a Lesser God is a Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award winning and Academy Award winning story of a uh, hearing impaired woman, a deaf woman, okay. and going to school and her falling in love with her teacher. And so it does require um, deaf and hearing impaired actors yeah. to be a part of it. So we're working with several groups out of Seattle and Tacoma to help us make this project come to fruition. Our director has been meeting with them. And I think it's going to be, end up being one of our most powerful shows of the season. That's but awesome. it's one of those that's taking us out of our comfort zone and our audience out of their comfort zone. Which is good. Which yeah. is like that, that makes people think. <laughs> um, we usually try and do at least one musical a year. This we're doing two with Susical. Um, but our musical this year is going to be Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. which we programmed into the Easter slot, which we did that before NBC announced that they were doing Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> on Easter. Uh, we had that long before they did. And then after that, we are going to really challenge our audiences hmm. with The Pillow Man, which okay. is <laughs> not, yeah. a, uh, not a happy story. No. And that is one that we're um, very interested to see how that goes, because yeah. it is a very, very dark story, not something that we presented uh, to our audiences before. And then we're closing out with uh, an adaptation of the Scottish play okay. uh, by a director who's phenomenal in the area. And so we're giving them a little bit of intrigue, comedy, drama, Shakespeare. Yeah. It's all there, musicals. Yeah, that's so the, the idea of giving Tacoma what it wants, that... It begs the question, what do you think Tacoma, like the community of Tacoma, wants to see in theater? They want a little bit of everything. Okay, yeah. They want, they want to come, they want to shut off. They don't um, want to be put in a situation where they, they want to be challenged, but they don't want to be awkward, I guess. That's an see. odd way to put it, I guess. But they want that entertainment. They want the varied entertainment available to them. They don't want to be force-fed things. They want, they want to be able to look at a season and say, okay, I'm going to see these five shows maybe. And yeah. maybe I'll skip The Pillow Man because that's not my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. um, and then with the other theaters in our community, we all try and put on a varied slate. We have one theater that specializes only in musical theater, so their season is all musicals. Um, and then another theater, Lakewood Playhouse, does kind of a varied season like ours also where they bring a little bit of everything to the board. Yeah. And they, they've taken recently with what they call Outside the Music Box, and so they'll do a musical that's a little bit more out there. Hmm. Um, they did uh, Rocky Horror this year. They did Avenue Q the year before. Okay, yeah. And this year they're doing American Idiot. Okay. So they're they're going that way with kind of challenging their audiences with a challenging musical. Yeah. that's so You were talking about how uh, the theater community helps e helps each other out in Tacoma. What uh, in, in what ways do does that like manifest itself? <laughs> I guess um, the. Main, three main community theaters in town, uh, Tacoma Musical Playhouse, Lakewood Playhouse, and ours here at Tacoma Little Theater are all three of the managing artistic directors. We get along. We have conversations. We'll go and have lunch. That's huge. Um, and we'll talk. We'll call each other up and say, here's what I'm doing next season. What were you planning? And we'll, you know, we'll trade a little bit if we have a situation where yeah. I was thinking about, I wanted to do that show. Well, how about you do this show and I'll do that show instead? And so there's a good give and take, a good conversation, and a good feeling of camaraderie while still saying, you know, we want to have our own individual identities. Yeah. And that is the important thing, is we all do have our own identities. Yeah, so it's not just like a straight-up competition. It's not straight-up like, competition. Yeah. We started uh, three and a half years ago with our 
season with all of us launching our season ticket drives, everybody who buys a season ticket here gets a voucher to use at Tacoma Musical Playhouse and Lakewood Playhouse. Oh, that's cool. Everybody who buys a voucher at Lakewood Playhouse gets a voucher to use at Tacoma Little Theater and Tacoma Musical Playhouse, and so on. So we encourage people to go to each other's theaters. Yeah. And uh, I had a great director and teacher when I was younger that taught me theater begets theater. And I've always stood by that, and I believe it. Yeah. That's if you're the artistic director of a company that has a, a, a in podcast air quotes rival company. Uh, what uh, are, are there things that you can do beyond just like meeting up with the people to uh, reach out to that other theater and maybe try to mend some rivalry? Um, it's an interesting one. I have a friend in Oklahoma who runs a theater, and she has that situation where there's a company in town that they think they're better than everybody else, mm-hmm. um, and they make that known to everybody. <laughs> and so it's hard to have those conversations with them, and you can try, and sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not successful. And what you do, if you're in a situation where like that, where you have that rivalry, is what can you do to make it not a rivalry for you? Yeah. Um, do you change your programming? Do you, you don't recruit, but you want to make sure that everybody knows you're an open house where people can come and audition. It doesn't matter if you're going to theater rival, mm-hmm. you can still come to your theater and still audition here and have a, yeah. a great experience. Hmm. And a lot a lot of times, if it's somebody who's not willing to change their ways, they'll realize that they're losing people. Yeah. Because of that. if they're creating a culture where if you all go on audition somebody else, you're not going to ever audition here or work here again. Yeah. Well, more and more people are going to say, yeah, we don't want to go there anymore. Yeah. But I'm, of course, always in the mind of, can't we all just get along? <laughs> can't we just come to an agreement and you know we can we can say yes we're two totally different organizations but we still have to work together we're still in the same community yeah um and i of course i'm the optimist and i like to think that everybody will come to that realization and there's no bad rivalry between yeah. people yeah that's that opti- open optimism i think is a good leadership quality also um, so, so you have open auditions always for actors. We do. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, <laughs> we do. Uh, we do not do general auditions here. Okay. Um, we have seven different directors for seven different shows. So, getting all seven directors in one place at one time is yeah. virtually impossible. Yeah. So, we do it on a per show basis. We usually do it about ten weeks out from the show, ten to twelve weeks. Okay. And uh, we're pretty much open for everything. We we are open to all ethnicities, all races, all demographics. You know, we have a fourteen year old auditioning for Bly Spirit, but they wanted that opportunity to audition. And if they came in and gave a great reading and they looked old enough to play Edith and Bly Spirit, I'd say, sure, let's yeah. have you in there. Um, and it's just making sure that people know you are an outlet and you're an open, free environment that they can go to and be a part of. Yeah. Um, there's somewhere else I was going with that, but it, it left yeah. me for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, uh, you know, the audition process can be um, one of your best recruitment tools. Yeah. Because if you're doing a show with seven people and you have 80 audition. That's an impression on 71 people, 73 people that you can make that they will go, hey, I had a really good time auditioning there. That felt really good. Yeah. I'll go audition for something else. Yeah. So it's not just the, if you don't get the part, it's just, it's not just a pure feeling of rejection. It was no. like, this was a good experience, so I'll, tr- I'll try it again. Yeah. And was- we try and keep that personal approach, and it's something I feel strongly about, and my stage managers hate me for it, <laughs> is the fact that if you are not cast in our show, you still get a phone call from us. There's a personal connection that we will call, and we will make that hard call, and we all know they're not fun to make. We'll say, hey, you know what, we weren't able to use you this time, but we'd love to see you next time. And for me as an actor, I love getting that personal feeling versus logging in and seeing a cast list posted on Facebook or sent out on the internet, and you're like, oh, I never heard from them. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that 
to build a culture where actors want to work with you again, that you make those personal connections. Yeah. And it's, it's important. Yeah, and those, those 73 phone calls are terrible, but even if half of them come back, that's just that, that's such a massive like up in retention. That's a very, very good piece of advice that I don't think a lot of theaters follow. <laughs> <laughs> it, you have to make the time for it. That's, yeah. that's the tough thing is, you know, we all, we all operate on time. Luckily, I'm, you know, I th- I'm an employee. We have a staff here. Yeah. Um, but it's hard when, you know, if you're working in an organization that doesn't have that ability to have a staff member where you're working with volunteer people, and it's hard to say, okay, volunteer person, you're my volunteer stage manager. I'm not paying you anything, and now you need to spend four hours on the phone calling all these people. Yeah, yeah, it's like, bleh. <laughs> um, so I, I like this question. Say I am a hypothetical actor uh, coming to perform at one of the performances at Tacoma Little Theater. What can I do as an actor to be the best member of this community theater and part of the show possible? Do your research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, know what you're getting into. Um, you know, we like I said earlier, we want everybody to come and audition, but also know is this a show that would be right for you? Hmm. Um, if I am in my early twenties, I'm coming to audition for Blythe Spirit. There's two male roles. One of them is an established writer. The other one is a tenured doctor. Would a twenty year old be one of those yeah. actors? And knowing that, you know, and then don't get mad if you don't get the part. Yeah. Um, it's it's knowing doing your research ahead of time, knowing what you're getting into. With our audition listings, we always try and make sure that people know exactly what we're looking for. We'll still, you know, if people want to come audition, we will let them audition. But also the fact that we say, you know, we might not have a role for you at this time. Yeah. Uh, so I want to go jump a little bit back to so th- this theater has been around for about a hundred years ish. Correct. Um, I like the idea of honoring where you've been, but there is a substantial backlog of where you've been before. I'm kind of curious about the lineage, but then like the the ultimate question I want to ask is, how do you honor that extensive lineage as we come towards today? Yeah, <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah. Um, for us, the the good thing is is there is a lot of history here that has been kept. Somebody who was brilliant in the 40s, decided that they were going to do a history of Tacoma Little Theater. So they went and did research and have compiled three volumes from 1918 up into 1960, I think, of every production, board of directors, some photos, and they're in a hardbound book form. So for us, that's a great way to go back and see where we were, what we've done. Um, For me, I'm still, you know, in a building, we've been in this building since 1940. And for me... I still will sometimes open a cabinet and see something I've never seen before or find a box that hasn't been opened in 50 years. We found a cash ledger from 1924. Oh, man. That was amazing to open up and just look through and see. You know what? Well, gee, they had some good days and they had some bad days, just like we all do. Mm-hmm. You know, as with almost any nonprofit, and particularly performing arts nonprofits, there are the peaks and valleys through your time. And TLT has been through a number of them. Um, there have been years of strong leadership and then that leadership has faltered off or they that person left and somebody took over who was not necessarily the best person for the job and drove the company into a state of crisis. You know, there have been those times where, oh my God, the doors are going to close, what are we gonna do? And one of the things, having been around for a while, is looking back and honoring that history and saying, okay, here's what worked, here's what didn't work. What can we do to never go back to that didn't work? Will we have things that happen in our future that we weren't planning for that are different from those scenarios? Yes. You know, we're on an upline right now. We're up in season ticket numbers. We're up in single tickets. 
our education program is growing. Is that always going to be that we're going to keep growing, 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 growing? No. I know that at some point we'll either plateau or something will happen yeah. where we have to be ready for it. How will we adapt and move to that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking back at our history, you know, you can look for those things and see how did they handle it? Mm-hmm. What did they do? Did that work for them? Well, it helped a little bit, but now we got to find how to make it just come back to where we were. Yeah. It's kind of a long, drawn-out version of that, but you, no, no. you have to honor it. But you also don't want to fall into the same traps. Yeah. Because if they got to a peak and they fell into a valley, why did that happen? Yeah. And are we going to do the same thing? I'm curious about the idea of trying to preempt the peaks and valleys. So it's like you're you're on an upswing right now. Is there? Do you have any sense of like why that is happening? Is it? Yeah. I think a lot of it is programming okay. and production values. Hmm. That is one of the things. Um, We've, we've lived within our means since I took over, and that's been hard sometimes, <laughs> but it's also nice when our accountant comes in and does our 990 and goes, wow, this is like your number four in a row that you're in the black at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and so doing that, we've never gone outside of that comfort zone. It makes it rough on us sometimes, but we start small. I was the only full-time employee when I first came on board. Everybody mm-hmm. else was part-time. Then we brought somebody in to be kind of a part-time technical director, and he held two jobs. He had a Monday, Wednesday, Friday job, and he was with us Tuesdays, Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And our production value started to go up. It's like, oh, well, we've invested here. As a result, our ticket sales went up, and more people came to our shows. Okay, so we invested there. It helped us here. So when we got to a point where we were able to say, how can we raise to the next level? The logical thing to do was everything's going fine on the admin side of all the that side of it we could definitely stand to raise our production qualities just a little bit more and that maybe we'll draw more people in so blake became a full-time employee our production values increased and ticket sales increased Hmm. and so it's just that kind of what works let's see how that goes for a while okay we're ready to grow again are we ready to do have we built up enough of the back funding can we afford to make a decision and do something Mm -hmm. And if that decision doesn't work, can we go back to what it was before and not lose something? Yeah. And it's just that baby steps. Yep. It's a slow series of calculated nudges upward. Mm-hmm. Um, I And then, so on the inverse side of that, I, as you see, if you see your business is going into a valley, is there a, are there ways to assess the situation? Are there a series of questions that you can ask yourself to to sort of try to find the problem. I know it's such an individual uh, instance to ever, from theater to theater to theater, yeah. but... I think the most important thing to do is figure out what is the cause. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Is there something that's happened in the community? Are we in a situation where nationally something's happening where disposable income is no longer mm-hmm. a given? Uh, is it something where there is a individual or a group of individuals that are causing that? declining, quickly trying to identify the who, what, where, when, how, why of it, and saying, okay, we've identified it, now how can we fix it? Um, And is it something that is not fixable? If it's not fixable, how are you going to counteract it? You know, you have a building that's falling down around you. Well, that's not a good thing. (laughs) Can you afford to fix it right now? No. What can you do to make it something better? What creature comforts can you put in place Mm -hmm. to make it at least habitable? Yeah. people yeah that's uh so we're right about a half an hour is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you <laughs> want to talk about um yeah I'll, I'll throw something out there yeah. 
a lot of people don't know about it, and particularly, I don't know if this is artistic directors of all shapes and sizes of theaters, as in professional, semi-pro, lorts, anything like yeah. that, or if it's mainly focused on community theaters. Um, but there is a resource out there in the nation that is amazing. It's the American Association of Community Theater. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard of that organization. Before. I have, like, in, uh, in, in passing. glancing and passing. Um, it is an amazing organization. Okay. Uh, it is a wealth of knowledge. The fact that I can pick up a phone or I can send out an email, and if I need the bags for Boeing, Boeing for the stewardesses, somebody will pick that up and say, I've got them in Oklahoma, I'll send them to you. And it's that network of people who are all facing the same things we do. Yeah. It's a huge organization with individual members and then theater members, um, organizational members. There is a great thing. It's every two years they do a festival that's... Um, Starts in the state level, then goes to regional level, then goes to national level, and it's 12 theaters presenting 60-minute cuts of shows or 60-minute one-acts. Oh, interesting. Um, and it's a competition, um, and the neat thing is we went to regionals this year. We passed state, and then we went to regionals. We cool. didn't make it to the uh, national festival, but another theater in Tacoma did, which was amazing that oh. two theaters from Tacoma That's made shit. it out of state That's made amazing. it to regionals. And it's a celebration of community theater. Um, there are theaters that have budgets of $1,000, and there's ones that have budgets of $12.4 million. And it doesn't matter, but we all go through the same things. And to have the ability to reach out there and say, Hi, uh, Rick from the Manatee Players in Florida. I need help. Do you have this? Yeah, no problem. We'll send it up to you. Or how did you take... I have a friend in Oklahoma who's doing ragtime right now, and she's having problems finding the car. And so she reached out to a group of us and said, how did you handle the car? What did you do? A lot of people said, we'll send you our car. And she's like, nope, I can't afford that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, did you use projections? Did you use uh, model-sized cars? Did you use silhouettes of cars? What mm -hmm. did you do? And it's a great sounding board. So never feel like you're isolated in your own theater. Yeah. There is always somebody there who will be willing to help talk to you. And that's, you know, it starts at that, that level where you meet somebody and you're like, oh, we share the same issues. Then you meet another one yeah. and another one. And suddenly you're like, oh, I'm not the only one who has to deal with this. Yeah, We all have different levels of problems, but we all deal with it. So that's the American Organization of Community Theater, correct? American Association of Community Theater, so, okay. AACT.org. All right. That is, uh, so, so you've talked to a lot of people. What are, have you noticed trends throughout community theaters? Like, are, are there specific things that every single community theater will eventually run into? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Patron retention okay. is number one. And programming. Um, some of the best conversations you have is when you're talking about programming. And a lot of people have different ideas about what works for theaters mm. and programming. And a lot of that is based on your community. Yeah. Um, there's a theater in, uh, let's see, where is it? I'm trying to think real quick. Uh, it'll come back to me where it is, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the artistic director there encourages cell phones to be out during his shows. Oh. He wants you taking pictures. He wants you on Facebook during the show telling people how much fun you're having. Interesting. Uh, it's that's, an odd concept. Yeah, it's fascinating. his theater actually was one of the national contenders this year. <laughs> okay, so well, we got to experience right? it yeah. firsthand. Yeah. And that was a very eye-opening experience where the show it was a, um original piece. It was an original musical called The Road to Verona. And they performed this, and it was, uh, we were at the Mayo Civic Center. Um, 
so if any of us got sick, we knew we'd be safe. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so the first thing they do is say, okay, don't put on, don't put down your cell phones, don't turn them off. The house lights remained on during the whole show at a low level. And if you were using Facebook, updates came through of things that were happening on stage on Facebook. So it was a spoof of Road to Verona. So if somebody's relationship ended, all of a sudden you got a Facebook update, is no longer in a relationship with. Oh so my and gosh. So. And the lyrics to the songs would pop up when the song started for that. And that's new. That's innovating. Yeah, wow. Um, and something I never would have thought of. It's not necessarily something that I think would work with my audience, but it's out there. And so you see just these different ways of programming, and that works for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I, I'm, that's my mind's kind of blown. That's interesting. Um, that's so, so to come a little theater... That's a bit. I'm going off on this mental tangent of like, oh, subversion of like theater things, <laughs> but it's a pretty traditional theater. Traditional, so yeah. yeah, so to speak. What? Um, so it, it is right now a little bit of everything. Did it used? To, was has has it always been a little bit of everything, or was there a style like stylized? For a while, it was the classics. Okay, it was always the classics. Nothing that was too avant garde or <laughs> would make anybody raise their eyebrows. Um, there were some. There were some times, though, uh, that they have done pieces that were not pieces that people would do. Yeah. Um, and it sometimes caused strife in the community, where they would just be uh, lambasted about it. And other times, it was like brave. You know, we're so glad that people are yeah. taking the stand and doing things that are challenging these types of things. And um, it's interesting going back in that history and sometimes yeah. seeing. And then you look back on some of the things that we've done in our history and you're like oh can't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least it opens up the dialogue because yeah. that's that's an interesting i really like the idea of theater as a dialogue so that's the the show itself the presentation is like the first line of dialogue to the audience and then hopefully it can perpetuate it uh how or, or it, maybe not the first line but you hear the, from the community and then you give the line of dialogue i guess the question that i'm going to kind of ring out of this is like is there a way to be aware of the dialogue that's happening within a community? And then also kind of coming back to this idea of preempting, like, can you telegraph what's what the dialogue might be in the future? Yes. And that is, you have to build those relationships with your fellow community theaters. You have to find out what their audiences are wanting, what your audiences are wanting. You reach out to, if you have a touring house, or if you have a... Um, Roadhouse, you reach out to them and say, why are you bringing in these things and what makes you want to bring them in? You find out what has worked for everybody. Um, you pay attention to political things happening. Mm -hmm. You pay attention to pop culture shifts. Um, you know, we live in an interesting time right now. Yeah, um, we put a show on our schedule in the 15-16 season called Second Samuel. Um, it's a piece that not many people knew about. And it hit the festival circuit, and a lot of theaters started to do it, and more and more people found out about it. And it deals, it takes place in Second uh, Samuel, Georgia, just after World War II, and so you're in the Deep South, so mm -hmm. you know you're going to have some racial issues, and then they throw a little bit more in there, too. And I don't want to spoil it, mm -hmm. I encourage you all to go out and read it, it's by Pamela Parker and Dramatic Publishing has it, um, but I encourage you to go out and check that script out, because... Little did we know, we'd put it on our season, and then all of a sudden a lot of things happened in the contemporary world that were addressed in that play. Yeah. So as a result, all of a sudden we were doing a play that was contemporary 
even though it was set in 1940, but people were seeing issues they had to deal with that day. And as a result, that was our number one selling play for the season. Hmm. And it's being willing to to go out there and put shows like that on your season. And then that is just so funny. The dialogue right now, because we do live in very interesting times, Mm -hmm. and the dialogue is so rapidly changing and advancing that when you decide on a season, you know, halfway through the season, something massive could have happened. Yep. Um, Is there... Do you think it's responsible to just hold the course, or do you think there's... If, say, something halfway through your season, like, big happens, something that it's like, oh, we need to do a, a production about this now... Do you think it's, like, in the world of Tacoma Little Theater, would you see yourself, like, removing a, a performance to substitute it in? I don't know if I'd remove it, if not add one. Okay, yeah. And that's, you know, we... When Orlando happened, mm-hmm. we had a group of people in the community who are part of the community of theaters. I mean, they do shows at all the theaters. And they said, we want to do something to help. And they reached out and said, who can host us for a night? And on our schedule, it worked out. And so we did a stage reading of the Limerie Project. Perfect. And all the proceeds went to support causes in Orlando dealing with that. And that was reacting and mm-hmm. saying, we'll address this issue as a community. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, so we're, we're running a little bit on time right now. <laughs> uh, if people are looking for Tacoma Little Theater online, uh, where can they go to find it? Slash, uh, they want to come see it. Like a- Any plugs you have, I guess? Any plugs I can do. Yeah. Uh, we have a website, TacomaLittleTheater.com, and we are one of the theaters that spells it with an R-E okay. instead yep. of an E-R. That's a huge debate. <laughs> <laughs> we are also uh, very active on Facebook, so okay. you can find our Facebook page at Tacoma Little Theater along with our Club TLT page, which is our teenage club. They just got done doing a great production called I Hate Shakespeare, which was a lot of fun. Uh, We're also on Twitter at TLT1918, in honor of our birth year. Uh, And also we do a newsletter, which you can sign up for on our website, which always goes out every Thursday, which kind of lets you know what's happening, what's coming up. We are, um, we try to be that theater that is open to the community. We now have a resident improv group that has landed here. That's mm-hmm. the fourth Saturday of every month. That uh, is a lot of fun to have that happen in our theater. Yeah. We are the resident home of Tacoma's own Gritty City Sirens Burlesque Company. Cool. And they that's do about sad. three shows here a year. And that is amazing. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> they do two shows usually, and they're always sold out. And it is some of the most fun you'll have when you come in our building. Yeah. Uh, we also are having a comedy showcase that's going to be happening here on August 27th, and we might see that coming back, uh, along with a company that's going to start doing their movie premieres here. So You keep them busy. We keep busy. Yep. Sometimes we want to pull our hair out. But um, <laughs> it's making sure that we the community feels that we're accessible to them. We're here because of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. that's that's how we're able to do it. Bottom line. Because we have yeah. support. Yeah. Uh, and then I like to end my podcast. Can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? It could be a book, a movie quote way of life anything um can i do two sure sure read second samuel by Pamela okay. parker okay yep. that's one recommendation yeah. and then always be willing to to go out there and try something go outside your comfort zone try it the worst thing that can happen is you figure out it wasn't for you yeah but go out there and do it perfect 
Perfect. Chris, thank you so much for sitting down. Thank you, Jake. It's a pleasure. Uh, You can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. And listener, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. And then I need to... Oh, it's still going.